0: Welcome back to Early Departures. I'm finally back from my kidney stone horrendous experience. Her PSA to everyone is drink your water. Yes, I will be drinking three liters of water every day for the rest of my life to avoid any more kidney stones. Well, (laughs) on that note, I'm Phoebe. (laughs) Yes, and I'm Ashley. I'm the one with the kidney stones.
1: And I have no kidney stones.
0: And I hope you never do. I hope none of you ever do. And really, everybody thinks they drink enough water until they get a kidney stone. And then a doctor tells you how much you really need to drink. And then you realize you hardly drink any water at all. So drink your dang water.
1: I had to get the battery in my car replaced um, recently. Yeah. And I went into like, you know, AutoZone, Napa AutoParts, one of those places. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I like a battery. And they put it in for you for free. And I was like, you know, can you put it in? And the guy was like, no, I've got like five kidney stones. I got one more. I'm gonna pass, so I can't really be lifting things right now. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'll just carry this home then, and I'll figure it out. <laughs> you're like, you're like, there's nobody else here that doesn't have a kidney stone. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't offer for anyone, um, but I brought it home. I googled it and I put yeah. it in myself. So,
0: hey, hey, good for you.
1: Have no fear; you can do it all with the guidance of YouTube.
0: Yeah, YouTube University. That's how I learned everything I know. Except for how to make a podcast because those videos are so boring. (sighs)
1: Aren't they painful?
0: Oh my gosh. I
1: will say I'm not much of a YouTuber until I need to like figure something out. Like this morning, I had to figure out how to descale my Nespresso machine or put my car battery in yeah but i feel like after the last year and a half of watching nothing but tv i've literally have hit a wall and i just don't know what to watch anymore yeah so i've started watching youtube documentaries i guess i don't know what they are yeah
0: and that uh, australian 60 minutes right
1: i love australian 60 minutes yes
0: (laughs) It's funny that you can find all kinds of Australian shows on YouTube. Like they obviously have some kind of different uh, copyright law over there than we do here.
1: Haven't you talked about copyright laws in the past about playing music in TV shows and
0: yeah, in the UK? Yeah, in the UK they like play real music instead of just like songs they made up for the TV show.
1: I guess I didn't really hear any songs on Dinner Date. <laughs> Actually,
0: I did though.
1: Oh wait, you're right. You're right. No, that's where we had this conversation. We were watching Dinner yeah. Date,
0: so and all the songs were real songs. Yeah. A little backstory:
1: yeah. Ashley and I love Trash TV, love Trash TV in other countries, and yeah. we spent a night in our hotel in Zurich watching Dinner Date, <laughs> which is a UK dating show that is fabulous. And we got this big conversation about copyrights on music because they were playing legit. Yeah. Top 100 hits on the show. You
0: can you can watch it on YouTube. Fair warning: it is not a representation of actual people who live in the United Kingdom. It is the trashiest of their trash, cooking sometimes really poorly for their dates.
1: Yeah, the premise is that you get five menus and you pick the menu (laughs) of these people. Yeah, and then you show
0: up at their house.
1: Also, who wants to show up at a stranger's
0: house? Yeah, scary.
1: And then they cook you dinner. Oh, man, I'm going to watch that this weekend.
0: That's what we do when we're on vacation and it's late at night and there's nothing to do. And we're just, you know, hanging out in the hotel. It's that or Law & Order marathons because those are on all the time all over the world. On like five different stations. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note. (laughs) This is
1: dinner date.
0: Yeah. Let's get into our own dinner date stories. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm not going to talk about dinner, but my story for you today is a little bit brief, but it's one I've been really dying to tell you for actually a pretty long time. Today, we're going to Chicago, which I don't know if we've ever been to Chicago on this show before.
1: Nope, I think that's a new a new spot.
0: Now, if you were planning a trip to Chicago and went to the website Tripadvisor to see what your options were for things to do you would come across a ton of architecture-related activities, museums, and points of interest. Chicago's full of architecture. You give me a face. What's on your mind?
1: I was just looking at something the other day, and it was all about the architecture boat tour. So I'm like, oh, is a boat about to sink with people on it? while they go on the architecture tour of Chicago.
0: Oh, well, gosh, I hope you didn't read...
1: About what I'm about to talk about. No, I didn't. I don't, I have, I have no idea. But literally, I was just looking at something that had to do with Chicago. And it was a blog about like, top (laughs) things to do. And it was all about how to plan a trip around the architecture. So no, I don't know anything about any accidents. Perfect. <laughs> but I just read about it recently. Perfect. So you're
0: so you're well aware of their architecture and Yeah, Chicago. what's that
1: one building called? Like the corn cob or something?
0: <laughs> I am not familiar with that one. It's like it's like it's two um
1: long two big towers and they're they're curved. Uh-huh. The whole thing is curved. It looks like a corn cob.
0: I don't know that one.
1: It might not be called the corn cob, it could be called something else that is um, You might have just wanted
0: corn at the time. Well
1: yes, I always want corn. Someone from Chicago, inform us if it is the corncob building.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is not about the Corn corncob building or corn in general, but a very popular activity, which won TripAdvisor's Traveler's Choice Best of the Best Award in 2021, the Chicago Architecture River Cruise. That's why I was like, "Uh uh-oh, when you mentioned that. I was like, if you know this story already, I'm going to be really bummed out. No, I
1: assure you, I know nothing about any accidents. I literally was just (laughs) reading about how to see all the architecture in Chicago.
0: (laughs) You say architecture funny?
1: (laughs) I know, I say it funny. Architecture. It's okay. Well, I have at least have learned how to
0: say documentary. Yes, it's very good.
1: Architecture? Architecture.
0: You're saying it like there's a U in it, but there's not architecture
1: architecture
0: no arc like like noah's Ark. arc architecture architecture no No. no. <laughs> architecture architecture so where you want arc- to put the you put an i there instead why do i do that like where
1: did i like i feel like i need to go to a speech pathologist because there are so many weird things that come out of my mouth like that And this podcast has given me serious anxiety about it because I'm like, people probably listen to me and think, wow, what is wrong with this woman?
0: (laughs) No, it's fun. You know, we all grow up learning words different and accents and dialects and it's fine. Yeah. Back to Chicago. Sunday, August 8th, 2004. I was still just but a babe. I know. How old were you? I would
1: have been getting ready to enter my senior year of high school.
0: I was 21. (laughs) (laughs) Just little babies. Yep.
1: I would have been um, 17-ish.
0: You would have been too young for me to hang out with you back then. I would have been like, go back to school, nerd. Yeah, except that would have been so cool. You would have hung out with me anyways. (laughs) So at 1 p.m., 120 passengers board the 68-foot boat named Chicago's Little Lady, which I thought was very cute. Uh, To give you a good visual in your mind of what this boat is like, I want you to picture one of those classic sightseeing vessels that have the open air upper deck, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, Chicago's little lady and her 120 passengers leave the Navy Pier at 1 o'clock to begin their tour, and a guide starts pointing out some of the 40 or so buildings that will be discussed. Everything was going presumably well until 18 minutes into the tour, as the little lady passed under the Kinsey Street Bridge, something horrible happened. Do you have any possible guess in your mind a boat is going under a bridge what's the worst that could happen well they misjudge the water level and the boat
1: smashes into the bridge and everyone on the rooftop viewing deck gets totally decapitated that's something that could happen but it didn't okay give me a second try hold on (laughs) what could happen to a boat oh the bridge
0: falls i mean that is another thing that could happen I mean, the boat getting
1: stuck wouldn't be that traumatic, <laughs> yeah, I'm stumped if it if I really thought it would get stuck on the bridge and you know
0: kill everyone as it crashed, well, so I mean, I don't know what would be more traumatic, horrible, whatever, but in this case, the boat was very suddenly covered by an unmistakable brownish yellow substance flecked with bits of toilet paper. <gasps> Two-thirds of the upper deck passengers were soaked with 800 pounds of doo-doo. Okay. It will probably never happen to me or you or anybody listening, but just the fact that that is something I never thought. I've I've never been on an open-air boat and thought, oh, God, what if we pass under this bridge and we get covered in feces? According to a passenger quoted in a Chicago Tribune article, quote, There was stunned silence initially, then sort of this horrible realization, which I can just picture too well. Yeah. According to the ensuing lawsuit, quote, the liquid human waste went into passengers' eyes, mouths, hair, and onto clothes and personal belongings, many of which were soaked. Some of the passengers suffered nausea and vomiting as a result of exposure to the human waste. And also that the passengers included, quote, persons with disabilities, senior citizens, a pregnant woman, a small child, and an infant. So just like a whole wide swath of humanity covered. Well, and I would assume that you
1: now need a serious round of antibiotics, Mm. maybe some kind of
0: immunization shots, like... A therapist to talk to daily. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, One time back in my... Clubbing days as a teenager, you got poop on you. No, but I was walking through a crowd in this club, and somebody just projectile vomited all over me. That was terrible. But I can imagine like how many multitudes worse this would be.
1: Okay, well, based on the volume of feces that were dropped below, yeah, I have to assume it's been sitting in a tank somewhere for quite some time. So this is not just fresh poo it's not like changing a diaper yeah or helping someone with incontinence issues this is like
0: fermented think about how long it would take to create 800 pounds of human waste also like that's something i didn't even think about till just now so yeah a lot of it was probably sitting there for quite a while so
1: because i do know a little bit it came from an rv of sorts (laughs) And RVs have black water tanks. So basically the whole black water tank must have been dumped on people.
0: Yeah. So five passengers even had to be taken to Chicago's Northwestern Memorial Hospital for evaluation. And like you said, maybe they were given antibiotics when they were there. I would I would certainly request that if I were them. In the end, everyone ended up being physically fine. Though probably, I can imagine, extremely emotionally wrecked. (laughs) How do you get that smell out of your nose? How do you get the... I mean, the image, everything. And also just like the... Everybody vomiting around you and you probably vomiting. Like, just horrible. But one quote about the incident really made me laugh. And is also really timely for when the incident happened, being 2004. Brett McNeil a Chicago Tribune reporter who was unfortunately there and got covered in the brown stuff along with everyone else said, quote, I feel like I'm in a bad Ben Stiller movie.
1: Yeah, that that seems like it could be accurate.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The CEO of the foundation that runs the River Cruise lamented that, quote, one man had a very expensive leather jacket that I'm sure he's not going to want to wear again. While all 120 passengers were refunded the $25 they had paid for their tickets, many requested compensation for clothing and personal items that were henceforth forever unclean. I would also want compensation for
1: a spa day so someone could <laughs> scrub my hair and my body of
0: fecal matter. Yeah. A five-year supply of antibacterial soap. Yeah. And also therapy. I would really need some... I would need to talk about it a lot. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Ugh. Ugh. So awful. But I also
0: want to know, like, how do these people, how do they get home?
1: Oh, my God. I would not get back in my own car. Well, you know. You can't get on public transportation. Yeah. You can't get in a taxi because there was no ride share at that time
0: no um oh and never mind a taxi is gonna you're gonna get in their taxi and they're gonna be like no get out oh my gosh yeah you'd have to walk yeah and you know it's like i was thinking about this and i was like okay for these people like in a perfect world they would have taken them somewhere and been like okay everybody can go ahead and take a shower and here's some fresh clothes for you but you know in real life that's not happening where like where are they gonna get all these clothes for all of these people Where are they going to find enough showers for all of these people? It's just, logistically, it's you know it didn't happen. So, I would love to have known. How did that go? Because, like, did the cops who were taking statements from people just go, like, okay, thanks. Hope you don't have to take public transportation home because you guys are really smelly.
1: Yeah, I'd be really curious how everyone...
0: I assume everyone was... I'd assume most people were tourists, so... Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what they did. I mean, hopefully, that's a good point, too. If they were tourists. Hopefully <laughs> hopefully their hotels were close by and they could just walk back to them. But then again, imagine if you were like, oh, it's our honeymoon and we're in Chicago and we're staying at this fancy hotel and we're going to go take this architectural river cruise. And then you have to walk back into, like, the Four Seasons Covered in, like, covered in poop. Not just, like, on your pants, but, like, in your hair and on your face.
1: Maybe you call ahead and ask to use the service elevator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably. So, anyway, initially, investigators didn't know where the waste matter came from. But, luckily, the East Bank Club, a gym that sits near the Kinsey Street Bridge, happened to catch a large bus crossing the bridge at around 1.18 p.m. on their security camera. And that bus also matched the description that one witness gave that they had seen a large black tour-style bus cross the bridge at the time of the dropping. Now, you and everyone listening might be thinking, how did all this duty possibly travel from a bus to an open top boat while passing over the bridge? The missing piece here is that a lot of bridges in Chicago are just open grates on the surface. Mm Mm-hmm with no solid surface below it. In a place like Chicago, with the massive amount of precipitation they get, it makes sense to have bridges like that, because all the rain and snow can just go right through to the river below, saving the bridge from flooding or having to be plowed all winter. Uh, And you might not be aware also that the waste tank of a tour bus can be emptied in under two minutes and only requires the flip of a switch located near or behind the driver's seat. So that's the thought process of what happened here. Bus driver is going to pick up his client with a near full waste tank. Doesn't have time to empty it properly. Sees he's going over an open great bridge and gets a great idea. Side note, that's all speculation. I really don't know what his thought process was. Nobody does. I'm not accusing him of that. (laughs) It's just, uh, you know, it's a likely story that could have happened.
1: Right. And to your point, uh, Black water tanks normally are, no, not normally. They are supposed to be emptied in black water tank receptacles that you find where people bring large RVs. Yeah. Like a tour bus, which would be a
0: class A vehicle.
1: Yeah. You can't just drop them anywhere, like, regardless of any circumstances, yeah. there is a proper way. There's like yeah, facilities yes. that you go to. And it usually yeah. requires, like, you hooking up a hose. Just think of, like, Cousin Eddie, in yeah.
0: the
1: Christmas movie. Yes. He's like, shutter's full, and he's pumping it down the drain. Like, that's a huge no-no.
0: Yeah. But I also thought maybe it really was, like, a Ben Stiller movie, and maybe the bus driver was just, like, driving, and he was hot, and he was like, oh, i got to take my jacket off. But he was buckled, and, you know, that's awkward. And then maybe his sleeve got caught on the switch, and then it just dumped everything But in a Ben Stiller movie, probably, like, also the bus driver's fiancé would be on the boat, and then she'd look up at him like, Ronnie!
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or he'd also poop his pants while dropping the tank
0: (laughs) The early aughts were weird times for movies. It was all slapstick and poop comedy, really. So in addition to the security camera footage and statements from a witness about a large black tour bus, another witness gave a license plate number to investigators who found the bus in question was driven by Jerry Fitzpatrick, driver of three years, for the extremely famous at the time group, the Dave Matthews Band. Oh,
1: the Dave Matthews Band. Okay, in my head, (laughs) I was thinking it was Bon Jovi (laughs) for some reason.
0: Well, it's because we're talking about crap, and Bon Jovi is crap rock. I can see how your brain went there. Uh, Well, we're not far off with Dave Mandy's band. I mean, it's all crap rock to me.
1: (laughs) I thought you were about to say that you were a big fan. Oh, no. I really did. The look (laughs) on your face, I was like, oh, oh. No, I'm so... I've hit a sensitive spot for actually. I'm so
0: upset that my favorite band in the entire world could have done this to someone. (laughs) No. No no. Um I really always felt like Dave Matthews band was what guys played back in the early 2000s when they were just trying to get somebody in bed, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: I definitely like remember listening to Dave Matthews in high school like in Mm -hmm. group hangouts you know
0: (laughs) yeah it's probably some guy put it on and he was like hey phoebe look how sensitive i am
1: but i don't think i'd ever choose to listen to it today and also by the way i'm not judging i have terrible taste in music i love michael mcdonald and yacht rock so like no judgment if you like bon
0: jovi i don't even or- know who michael mcdonald is but i'm gonna just assume okay ashley that by the way you said that it's pretty crappy oh my
1: god i feel like i ought to play michael mcdonald for you <laughs> so uh dave matthew's band just dumped a shit ton of
0: shit on a bunch of people <laughs> So while Fitzpatrick confirmed that he was indeed in Chicago driving that bus, he claimed to be parked at a hotel at 1.18 p.m., which is when the incident happened. And so he was, like, adamant that he did not do this. He was not involved at all. And he further stated to police that it had been several days since he'd emptied his bus's tank. And he actually convinced a police sergeant to go in, look at the tank on his bus... While on the phone to a reporter, so he could confirm to the reporter that the tank was full and it could not have been him, which is kind of ingenious, really, because it's not like you know if it was empty, it's not like you can fill a tank back up in an hour. Yes, but do-
1: but is he asking someone that doesn't know what full is ah. on a black water tank, or did he show him the water tank? I mean, because you still have clean water coming from somewhere, also.
0: Mm. Well, to further his innocence. The Dave Matthews Band was backing Fitzpatrick up as saying that he didn't do it. and There's no way he did it. And they all offered to give up DNA samples to prove that none of the waste came from any of them, though investigators never took them up on that offer. So what's really funny is that while I was uh, looking into this, I somehow, I don't know, because this whole story is about poop. I got it into my head that them offering a DNA sample was like they were gonna poop in a box and send it in. <laughs> it's like probably an hour into that thought process, I was like, oh, wait, Ashley, they swab your cheek. It's funny that you say that because when you said that, my first thought was they
1: were gonna swab the cheek of the band, but then they were mm. gonna swab the bodies of the people who
0: had <laughs> fresh poop on them. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, wait,
1: no, they could probably just get that off of the
0: boat. Yeah. Well, it turned out that the Dave Matthews Band had not one tour bus, but five. Eventually, investigators were able to confidently tie the incident to the bus hired to transport Boyd Tinsley, the band's violinist. That bus was driven by 42-year-old Stefan Wool. Wait, so the violinist gets his own bus? Yes. <laughs> and I can't remember which article it was. I wish I could remember. It was really funny because they... Pointed that out and they said, You know, that as a band, you've really made it. If your violinist has their own tour bus, like he's not even part of the full permanent band and he gets his own bus. So that's, you know, if that tells you, if you're too young to remember what a big deal Dave Matthews' band was in the year 2004, know that. Yeah. At the time of the incident, Wool was actually on his way to pick up Tinsley from a Chicago hotel to take him to Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, where he was going to meet up with the other band members, all traveling separately on four other buses to play a show that night. This whole time, Wool, by the way, just denied any responsibility whatsoever. So he's like, no way I didn't do this. All of this was extra crazy, by the way, because back in their heyday, the Dave Matthews Band was known for being big on environmentalism. The band has a charity to this day called Bama Works, which over the years has benefited the likes of Greenpeace, the World Wildlife Fund, the American Oceans Campaign, and, funny enough, an organization called Clean Virginia Waterways. Now here they were, not only being associated with dumping 800 pounds of human waste into Chicago's waterways, but also shocking people with the revelation that they traveled on five different tour buses which is obviously not the most environmentally friendly way to travel.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that earlier, but I was like, let's not throw shade at them for, you know, global
0: warming issues.
1: But you know what? That boat probably did stop quite a bit of shit from going into the water.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Back in 2004, the band even had a Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor named One Sweet World which was the name of one of their songs. And the benefits of that flavor benefited the Save Our Environment Action Center. So basically, in 2004, when you thought of eco-friendly musicians, the Dave Matthews Band was right there at the forefront. I can't say I ever thought about (laughs) (laughs) eco-friendly. I mean, when you were 17 in high school, I'm sure you did not care about what anybody's thoughts on, I don't know, Oil drilling, were you know? Nope.
1: I was worried about my Friday night plans. (laughs)
0: to that end of them being all eco-conscious and everything. To, quote, begin the healing process, two months after the incident, in October of 2004, each member of the band donated $50,000 to the Chicago Park District and to the Friends of the Chicago River Organization. Wait, what about to the people? (laughs) Well. I still
1: need my spa day to scrub my hair and my body (laughs) and replace that sweet leather jacket I'll never get to wear again.
0: I know. God, and I get, like, attached to some clothing items, too, so I would be devastated. How
1: angry do you think the rest of the band was at the violinist? Like, they're all ponying up 50K apiece, which, because they care about environmental efforts, I'm sure they're happy
0: to do it, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But here's the thing. The violinist wasn't even in the bus at the time, so the, the bus driver was going to pick him up from his hotel he wasn't there yet like he was on his way
1: well of course and the violinist
0: never would have been the one to push
1: the button anyways i mean yes it's the bus driver (laughs) it's not him but you you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah well i mean probably all of them are like thank god that didn't happen on my bus especially well i was gonna say especially if any of the band members had particularly bad cases of ibs or anything
1: hey i think 800 pounds of poop wait 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 hold on 800 pounds of poop for one person? That's why I said earlier, like, God, how, how long
0: does that take to save up?
1: So there, there's some urine and shower water. I mean, it all goes into, like a, yeah. like I said, the black water tank. So there's shower. They have sinks. Some of these buses have laundry. So you do have some water yeah. in there. That's a lot for one person. It is. And maybe if it's just like a rental bus, like it's not the bus he uses all
0: year. It could have been someone else's poop oh, too in there. Oh, but it's not. <laughs> Because it's, a, a, you know, contracted for their tour. This guy is driving them for their whole tour.
1: Oh, so there could have been like four-month-old poop in
0: there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need answers. I
1: need to know <laughs> how much poop and pee and shower water is
0: 800 pounds. Yeah. Hmm. Well, just start weighing your waste every day. Keep a diary. No, I think I'm just going to use Google. <laughs> I think I'm just going to ask the internet. You're just not a scientist at all. No, no, no. <laughs> So, eventually, in March of 2005, the bus driver, Stephen Wool did plead guilty to reckless conduct and water pollution, both of which are misdemeanors, and he was sentenced to 150 hours of community service, 18 months probation, and had to pay a $10,000 fine to the Friends River Advocacy Group, As you might imagine, he also no longer drove for the band following the incident, so he also lost a pretty good gig on top of everything else, and I imagine would not be hired by anybody else following that. Gosh. The band was also sued by the state of Illinois in civil court, and they settled that suit by paying $200,000 toward environmental education in the state, and in return for that, they didn't have to assume any guilt. And... I am, I've thought about this a lot. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know why the band itself would be liable for this incident in any way. Because it's the bus driver's fault. The bus driver even pleaded guilty to it. And he was convicted. None of the band members well, was, were on the bus. I was the thinking bus. the same
1: thing. Like, they contracted the bus through a company. Yeah. It'd be like, why wouldn't you, if it was Greyhound... Once you go after Greyhound? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Like, there are plenty of tour bus companies. Yeah. Unless this guy was privately owned. But even then, maybe
0: because the band was the face of it. Yeah. And I also... You know,
1: it was like, let's make an example out of them. Yeah. I
0: wonder if it's like an insurance thing, too. I don't know. You know, if something happens, the insurance is responsible for it and the insurance is paid by them. I don't know. But... What I do know is that $200,000 was absolutely a teeny tiny amount for them during their heyday fame, so I certainly don't feel too bad for them. (laughs) I only feel bad for them for the bad publicity they got from it uh, and being outed as like not being that environmentally friendly. Also, their ice cream flavor was taken off the market in 2004 following that mishap So that was another consequence of the incident, which is actually pretty unfortunate, because really all that did was take away the profits that were being donated to the environmental company that was getting the proceeds. So that kind of sucks. But the flavor was apparently really good because it ended up on a lot of those lists of like flavors Ben and Jerry needs to bring back, like fans, I guess, calling for their return. And it actually was finally brought back in 2017, and as the website cracked.com put it in their article on the subject, quote, perhaps the larger lesson here is that it takes about 13 years for the world to get over any poop-related incidents on your part. So I guess stop worrying about the time you crapped your pants in front of everyone in elementary school. Science says most people are over it now, which I thought was hilarious. That is funny. So that's all I have on this story. But as a side note, I just wanted to mention that you can actually rent Chicago's little lady, the boat involved here for about $1,000 an hour. So if by some crazy chance we ever took this show on the road, you know that our Chicago show would have to be on the boat. A small intimate. <laughs> yes, a little intimate gathering on this Solid boat, and then halfway through
1: it, we would just drop those like stink bombs on everyone. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> oh gosh, well that was an adventure that was that was a fun that was a fun story. I, n- not one for anyone who got pooped on, yeah. but I had fun.
0: <laughs> I was I was really glad to have like a story with some levity in it as the first thing back after the arduous last couple of weeks. Like I just wanted to laugh. So, you know, anybody I was thinking about that to is like, so far, we haven't done any like true crimey type episodes yet since we've been back. So anybody who's like, what are they doing? I need some murder. Just know that we're like, we're easing back into the murder. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're slowly getting comfortable yeah. with murder again. We
0: just have to laugh about bodily functions. Like we're 12. Yeah, we are. We're actually 12. We're using uh, voice modulation right now to make ourselves sound older why we watch Dinner Date.
1: That's right. (laughs) Who knew poop really got us talking?
0: I mean, I did, but you know. That that is true. Ashley and I do talk about poop a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We do. Take me somewhere clean, Phoebe.
1: (laughs) Okay. So my story is not as um, jovial as yours. Okay. We're going to the Dominican Republic. Okay. We have Orlando Moore, 43, and his girlfriend, Portia Ravenel, 32, both of Mount Vernon, New York, were taking a quick four-day getaway to the resort town of Samana in March of 2019.
0: Okay. so pretty recent.
1: Yes. Samana is described as unspoiled white sandy beaches, lush rainforests, cool blue waters, and warm Caribbean nights. Hmm. Also, some fun facts. Enrique Iglesias filmed a music video on the beaches there. Hmm. And the tiny island of Cayo Levantado, also known as Bacardi Island, because this is where they chose to film all of the Bacardi commercials. All right. So it sounds like a place you were meant to be.
0: Well, you know, side note, Bacardi was my favorite forever. And then me and you went to Washington State and went kayaking and then... I got myself rip-roaring drunk by myself on Bacardi after you left, and I have not drank Bacardi since. So, Do you think you'll never drink it again? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But, I, you know, I used to always drink rum and coke, and I have not had a soda since September 9th. So it's been about two months since I've had any kind of soda either. So, And I don't intend to pick that habit back up, because that's how you get kidney stones. <laughs> anyway. Okay. The more you know. The more you know. Well... Back
1: to our couple, Orlando and Portia, two people who are often described as silly, easygoing, and always trying to help others.
0: Mm, nice.
1: On the first morning of their trip, they met another couple from Nova Scotia while eating breakfast, and they became fast friends. Mm-hmm. Which, when I first started reading this, I thought back to our previous episodes and said, huh, befriending another couple on
0: a vacation doesn't <laughs> always really turn out well. Sometimes you're in a hot tub with them, and they take their shirt off, and they have a swastika tattoo. And they try to kill you. And they play the purse-stealing game. (laughs) They try the purse-stealing game. I know, it's so fucked up. (laughs) That story really stuck with me. I don't know what episode that is, but viewers, if you or (laughs) listeners, if you haven't uh, listened to that one, search it out, because that was... (laughs)
1: That was a wild ride. It was. Ride. And then watch all the content that exists online about it because there's a snapped episode. There's like yeah. probably a dateline. Very wild ride. Very. But, mm-hmm. you know, we won't jump to any conclusions with our new friends Cheryl and Carter, who have now joined Portia in Orlando <laughs> right. on their weekend getaway. I mean, and by
0: join them, I mean, they're just like all hanging out. Right. They're not like staying in their room with them now.
1: Right. Over the next three days, the couples hang out by the pool, they go horseback riding to waterfalls, they go to the local lounges, and they just enjoy the warm sunshine of the Caribbean. Because you can imagine, New York and Nova Scotia in March, yeah. it's still pretty cold. Yeah, sounds like a dream. On their final night in Samana, the couples get together one last time at the hotel lounge before Portia and Orlando head to the airport. Portia told Cheryl and Carter that they had gotten a good deal on flights, but didn't realize that meant a 2 a.m. flight. What? Or one that included a two and a half hour drive to the airport.
0: Okay, I, I'm genuinely, I travel a lot. I've traveled a lot my whole life. I did not know that there was such a thing as a 2 a.m. flight. <laughs> that's... I didn't either. That's a nightmare. Oh, no.
1: I feel like I remember getting on a, on a very late flight mm-hmm. from out west when i was little yeah but i feel like most airports shut down by 10 p.m these days
0: yeah that's definitely a just stay up all night drinking and then go to the airport situation <laughs>
1: yeah so it was nearing 9 p.m and the couple still needed to pack their bags and load up their rental car and head to the airport mm. cheryl said that portia expressed some concerns to the group about the drive she was worried did they have enough gas was it safe was the GPS plugged in? Yeah. Did they have enough battery?
0: Yeah. Cause it's going to be in the middle of the night too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. You have a 2 a.m. flight. I mean, in a like unfamiliar place that you don't drive all the time. Yes. Two and a half hours. Yeah. Okay. It's
1: about 100 miles, I think it said.
0: Yeah. That's, that's insane. That is, that's too much.
1: But think about it. They probably got a good deal on a last minute trip. Sometimes you're so... I mean, how many times have we booked a trip last minute and we probably didn't think through all the details? Yeah. So, Portia had expressed some concerns. She Mm -hmm. told Cheryl that the rental company warned them, the car rental company, warned them to not stop or open their windows for anyone because the locals know which cars are rentals and they sometimes try to mug the tourist.
0: Oh, my God. No. No. Sorry. Not doing it now. As soon as they said that, I would be like... You can have your rental car back. Bye. We're going to take the bus or whatever. Yeah. Where's the shuttle? Yeah.
1: Oh, God. Cheryl said the couple went back to the room to pack and check out, and she returned to her villa for the night. Carter sent Orlando and Portia a text message to wish them a great trip home, but never got a response. The couple's phones went dark. They stopped responding to messages from family and friends, and there was no new social media post. Hmm. In fact, the couple never made it back to New York. Oh, my God. They never even made it to the airport.
0: Oh. And right now, my brain is like, okay, did they get in a horrific accident or did they get mugged and murdered? There's so many things that could have happened. I know. In a two and a half hour drive. I mean, there's so many variables. Oh, my God. I'm like, (laughs) you know, I don't drive at night. (laughs) Because I'm just like, I don't know. I've always been an old lady inside. Uh, and so I'm like, particularly sweating because I don't, I can imagine all the horrible things that can happen to you at night while you're driving.
1: I think I've only been in the car with you twice when you have drove. <laughs> Once when you had to drive for me because I was puking hungover. And mm-hmm. two, we went to a beer festival. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know if you've ever driven. Yeah. I don't, no offense, I don't know if I'd feel safe with you driving. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing you should
0: feel super safe with me because I always go exactly the speed limit and I do drive like your grandma. And, uh, you know, if somebody is slowing down 200 feet in front of me, I start slowing down. (laughs) Like, I am ready for all situations. Uh, But you're not going to get there fast. That's the deal. But you'll get there alive. That, then that's the most important part. Yeah. We're not departing early. Yeah. We're on time. I was really uh, I was really influenced by those Arrive Alive commercials back in the day. I don't know if you saw those. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm not in a hurry. What, what am I rushing for? I just want to get there alive. That's how I think.
1: As the couple's car sat empty in the airport parking lot back in New York, their family and friends began to panic and contacted the U.S. Embassy in the Dominican Republic and filed a police report. At that time, local officials were able to confirm that the couple did indeed check out of their hotel room, but they did not return the rental car or make it back to the States. Francesca Figaro, a good friend of the couple, told CNN that she spoke to a U.S. embassy representative on March 31st, who told her no bodies were found, there were no dead bodies reported, no accidents, and no one was in jail. Oh, God! Now, the couple, just to track back on that timeline a little bit, the couple left on march 24th mm-hmm. their departure date was the 27th at 2 a.m uh-huh. and this is their friend talking to um the u.s embassy on the 31st mm-hmm. so a solid almost four days with no news
0: yeah which my first thought is like if there were no wrecks and you didn't find a car and you didn't find any bodies i would be like oh my god they're being held hostage somewhere
1: right cheryl said she did not realize that portia and Orlando had gone missing until she returned home to Halifax, Nova Scotia on the 31st as well, and discovered several emails from Portia's family. Mm. Now, at first, I kind of wondered how Portia's family reached out to her, but there are tons of social media photos of the two couples together.
0: Yeah, they were probably, like, tagged.
1: Yeah, they were tagged, yeah. so I was savvy enough to look at her Facebook or, you know, find mm-hmm. some information. So. Good on that family doing some sleuthing to contact Cheryl and her, her boyfriend. Yeah. But for the next two weeks, Portia and Orlando's family and friends went without any answers. Oh, Nothing. Gosh. On Tuesday, April 9th, almost two weeks later, Portia and Orlando's family and friends finally started to receive some answers. Officials were able to confirm that Orlando and Portia passed a toll booth on the way to Santo Domingo at 1.41 a.m. Hmm. And I believe this toll was less than a half hour away from the airport. Right. National police in the Dominican Republic said on March 27th, the night the couple went missing, an unconscious woman was found on the side of the road. Oh, no. I know. Now, if you remember, the family's just hearing about this, and now we're in April, almost two weeks later. Yeah. A hospital spokesman says that a woman had arrived Mm -hmm. with severe trauma and contusions to the head. On the night of the 27th, about 12 hours after the couple were supposedly supposed to be on their flight, Mm -hmm. this same spokesman said that the woman came in with no identity, and they had no idea who she was at all. Hmm. And authorities had asked for a photo, but they said she was not in a condition where they could share a photo with the media. Gosh. And unfortunately, on April 4th, that person was pronounced dead. And that was Portia.
0: Gosh.
1: So... On April 4th, this is five days before the officials had really started to piece together what happened to the couple. Yeah. So Portia is essentially alive in a hospital mm-hmm. for I'm bad at math. Like two <laughs> like I don't know, twenty quite a few days. Mm. Yeah. Let's say around a week. Yeah, like a week. So Portia's mm-hmm. in the hospital for a week. No one the yeah. family doesn't know she's there. The hospital doesn't know who she is. Ugh. How terrifying. How terrifying for her to be alone. Yeah. She's in intensive care, so I assume she's not coherent.
0: But still, her family's looking for answers. Yeah. And she's alive. That's, I mean, that's crazy. Especially because, I mean, I don't know. If she would have had ID on her, then I'm sure they would have contacted the embassy. But if they don't even know, if she wasn't talking and they didn't know she was American... I could see how they wouldn't contact anybody to try to figure out who she was. I don't know.
1: I know, and the sad part is, remember her friend contacted the embassy on the thirty first. Yeah, and they said no bodies, nothing, but they found her on the twenty seventh. They, f- I mean, they found her just hours. Yeah, after they had missed their flight. Mm-hmm. The same hospital spokesman also told CNN that none of her family or friends called the hospital looking for her. Which, I don't know if that really justifies the fact... I mean, yes, you can't identify her, but why not get the photo to the media sooner? I mean, even if it is not a pretty sight, I mean, this is an unidentified person. Yeah. Anyone could be looking for that, you know? I don't know. It just seems a little weird that his response was, no one from her family or friends called the hospital. So, like, PSA, call the hospitals.
0: (laughs) Well, and I was going to say, I don't know what hospitals are like in the Dominican Republic, but I know in America... If you call a hospital, you're going to go through several different menus for an hour, and then you're finally going to get to somebody who's an administrative somebody or other, and they're not going to know anything. So, Right. Yeah.
1: And also, when you think about it, they were staying at a resort two and a half hours away. Yeah. So would you even know? I mean, I guess at some point it would probably click to call hospitals near the airport, but you still have a 100 miles to cover of healthcare facilities of what could have happened to someone, you know? Mm -hmm. A family friend said she was extremely saddened that it took so long to find out what happened, that their families were left in the dark and Portia was alone in the hospital. The family friend said she had to die by herself when one of us could have been there holding her hand.
0: Oh that's so sad which is just awful to think about It makes me really hope that she was not coherent because that would be that would be so scary and horrible to be like alone in an ICU bed in a foreign country in dying yeah Ugh. meanwhile the embassy of the dominican republic confirmed that a
1: man's body had washed ashore on oh march 31st which they were able to confirm was orlando mm. based on a tattoo on his arm according to the dominic authorities they believe the cause of death for the couple was due to a car accident oh. not foul play oh my god
0: my well i was gonna say my biggest fear but i mean foul play is my also, biggest fear. Come on.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I also make it makes it feel so much. I feel like worse for Portia and her family to know that it was an an accident.
0: Yeah, there's no one to blame when it's an accident,
1: right? And that she was left alone to die alone in a hospital. Like foul play. You're like, well, of course she. No one was there. We didn't know. Yeah. Car accidents are such a regular part of life, unfortunately, that you would think you'd still be able to get to the side yeah. to be by the bedside of your loved one.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I also I, I don't know what medical care in the Dominican Republic is like, but I do think back to the Tobagonian Ripper story that I told a long time ago where the British people who had been macheted uh, to within an inch of their life, they were patched up as best they could in tobago and then they were airlifted to i I don't remember it was like miami it was somewhere uh for more intensive care and so you do kind of think about that in a situation like this if they had known where she was from and if they had airlifted her like back to new york could she have gotten care and survived who knows we'll never know
1: yeah yeah Yeah. and and you have a, a family member advocating for you yeah when you're in intensive care, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's so important to have an advocate when you are dealing with medical issues. Yeah.
0: And that's not to say that healthcare is bad in the Dominican Republic. I have zero idea. Yeah. <laughs> Just the thoughts.
1: So as I mentioned, the Dominican authorities believe the cause of death for the couple was due to a car accident, not foul play. Mm -hmm. Security cameras at a toll booth near the Las Americas Highway, the route to the airport, captured a video of the rental car shortly before the crash. The crash was believed to have occurred around kilometer 19 of the highway, which is about 10 or 15 minutes from the airport. Oh, God. They were so close. So (sighs) close. And that is just, that
0: like just frustrates. Yeah. You have to wonder if like if they were just exhausted and made us an error.
1: Yep. As I mentioned, Orlando's body was found washed ashore. He was found about 13 miles from where the police believe the car crashed into the ocean. God. According to CNN, the car landed in an especially turbulent part of the sea that locals referred to as the blender.
0: Oh, perfect.
1: Yeah. The rough and choppy conditions initially prevented authorities from salvaging the vehicle even. Oh, mm, my gosh. And there's some other articles that mentions fishermen had heard something weird in the late hours of the night. And Ugh. that they mentioned they saw a car in the ocean.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But because the water was so rough, they couldn't do anything about it. When you see the pictures of like the cliffs, it's like, you know, it's a cliff. Yeah. And it's rocky, you know. So
0: they like, they went off of a cliff into the ocean. Yep. Like, everybody's biggest nightmare. Mm-hmm. And
1: it's dark, and I'm sure there was no light. Like, who Ugh. knew if they even knew they were going to go off a cliff? Who knows what happens if they were sliding for some reason? Yeah. And they just thought, oh, well, we're just we're just going to end up in the ditch or yeah. in a tree, you know? Yeah. Not we're going to end up in the ocean.
0: Uh, or you think there's going to be a guardrail there and there's not. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, you would think there'd be.
1: Even if you knew there was the ocean, you'd probably would think that there'd be a guardrail. Yeah. And the crazy part is that... I mean, Portia made it out of the car. Yeah, which is So officials believe that she managed to escape the car crash as the car went underwater, which is kind of crazy because there's a cliff.
0: Yeah. So I kind of wonder if she was, I wonder if they had the windows down and she was thrown from the car. Yeah, that or I wonder, was she wearing her seatbelt and he wasn't? And maybe he got knocked out, and she was able to like still be scramble cognizant. Yeah, enough to like get out of there. Well, my
1: other thought is so when you see that, when I show you the pictures of it, it means a cliff. My other thought is like maybe, and there's trees near it. And they mentioned in one of like the videos I watched that the tree bark had like scratches on it, like they swiped a tree as they went down. I wonder if the car dangled there for a minute, Aww. and that's when she got out. Yeah, because how if she even escaped before it went underwater, why wasn't she on a rock below?
0: Yeah,
1: like could you imagine that? Like maybe the car is dangling <sighs> over the edge, and like no instant moment she is able to like jump out and Mm -hmm. that's how she's on the road, you know, like last ditch effort
0: to save herself. God. No, I can't I cannot imagine that. And I imagine if it were me and that happened, I would freeze up and I would just stay in the car and go into the blender.
1: So around April 12th, they're able to pull the couple's rental car from the ocean and it is completely mangled. Practically unrecognizable Mm -hmm. as a car. It's just looks like a massive just hunk of metal. I don't think there was even like the roof on it. In the picture I saw. Oh, God. Totally unrecognizable. Yeah. The Dominican Republic National Police told News 4 that Orlando had been seen drinking before the two left for the airport. Hmm. And he believes that they were possibly running late and may have been speeding on a dark road when they lost control of the car. Mm-hmm. While the Dominican officials call the couple's death a tragic accident, not all of Orlando and Porsche's friends and family are convinced this is the case. Mm-hmm. In an article from April 24th, the family announced they'd be getting a second autopsy on Orlando. His family and friends insist that they don't believe the National Police version, noting that they're also coordinating their own investigation. Unfortunately, the family of both of them don't really believe that this is what happened. Yeah. They are seeking outside investigation to come in. They want a second autopsy done. And unfortunately, like all of these stories, it feels like I come across, all the news just disappears.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was thinking that, too, if this happened in March 2019, and then, you know, a year later, the pandemic starts, you know, nothing was getting done for the next at least year. Yeah. Everything in the world was put on hold. So it's an awkward time to try to get an investigation done, especially when it's like an international one. Yeah. And... I mean,
1: based on Cheryl's accounts, they were. I mean, I don't know if it's all alleged that he was having drinks when they were out on that final dinner. Maybe, yeah. maybe Portia was. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Yeah, they said there was no. There's no report of another car being involved. I mean, yeah. it could have just been that he was tired and yeah, overcorrected on a turn was go Maybe they were mm-hmm. going too fast. You know, you
0: never know. And like if if their flight was at two. And if they went through that toll booth at one something, then like maybe they were running late and they were trying to haul ass to get there in time, and just took a took a turn too fast or something. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really it is sad when they like whether whether it was you know the case or not for you to lose a loved one and then have an official say, oh, they were drinking. It's like, oh, it's their fault. That sucks. And you won't know until, (laughs) you know, like, well, I was going to say until like an autopsy, but I don't know how long you'd be able to even tell that somebody had alcohol in their system. You know, I don't think you could check that a year later.
1: Right. And they said his body was pretty badly decomposed because he was in the ocean. Yeah. I mean, you have water, you have rocks, you have Sea life. Yeah. The part that really breaks my heart is that Portia's family started looking for her immediately. hmm And the whole time she was in a hospital alive. <sighs> yeah. I just feel so bad for them.
0: That's horrible.
1: I couldn't imagine knowing that someone I cared about right now was lost and sick and dying and yeah. no one knew.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like the classic trope of like calling all the police stations, calling all the hospitals, like trying to find somebody. And they do that in movies and TV, but, like, in real life, that takes a lot longer. And the odds that you're going to get somebody who knows what's going on is very low. So even if you do all the right things, it doesn't mean you're going to find your loved one who's slowly dying in an ICU. I know. I mean, as long as you're out of the country, there's a language barrier also that you have to
1: overcome to communicate to someone, you know?
0: Yeah, and just, like, a physical geographical barrier where it's like people don't yeah you can't show up yeah like people don't tend to people don't tend to care or like tries hard to please someone when they know that you can't just show up in their face tomorrow and yell at them you know oh well gosh well okay so at least the one thing is i the whole time you were telling uh about portia i was thinking where where's the guy you know and i'm glad it's horrible but i'm glad his body was found because it would be so much worse if they found her and not him and then you know imagine they didn't find the car imagine they didn't find him Mm -hmm. and then it was just like totally unknown what happened and if he was still alive or not that's that's the worst,
1: yeah. and when I first started reading about this because there is such a gap in the reporting of them being missing to finding out the details, yeah, I was kind of convinced that they got in trouble on in the car like I like they got mugged or kidnapped yeah. or something, you know
0: mm-hmm because
1: that's that is a late time to be driving anyways. I wouldn't do it
0: <laughs> and that's not to say that it was their fault at all. it was not. I'm just personally terrified all the time, so of course I wouldn't do it. Yeah,
1: so that's all I've got. Well, I kind of wish we had gone in
0: reverse order
1: today. <laughs> we should have. I was just oh, thinking good. that. Like, uh, can you edit this so you so I go first and
0: you go? <laughs> I'm gonna you go end last. That a because, bummer. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for bumming me out. Yeah. Well,
1: friends, it's been fun. Thank you for joining us again (laughs) on a wonderful episode of Early
0: Departures. Chat to us at earlydeparturespodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at earlydeparturespodcast. And we love it when you guys reach out. All right. And then until then, be safe and depart on time.